section forty six of india persia mesopotamia and palestine this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org recording by jim locke of floyd virginia the world's story volume two india persia mesopotamia and palestine edited by eva march tappan section forty six sunday in the british army in india nineteenth century by rev arthur mail sunday morning in camp ah you say very different from sunday morning at home in england yes of course it is necessarily very different no church-going bell sounding over hill and dale and summoning the simple villagers to some ivy-covered church on the hillside or clanging through the quiet streets of the big town where the orderly groups of people all in their sunday best are wending their way to some old-time honoured temple certainly these accompaniments of the english sabbath day are all wanting but if you suppose for a moment that amid the bustling realities of active war the stern and multifarious duties which belong to a campaign the sabbath is forgotten and the worship which belongs to the day ignored you are very much mistaken tommy atkins is no heathen and one of the privileges which belong to his profession is that he is allowed to worship god according to the dictates of his own conscience no man need be a worse man morally for going into the army many a man has become a better man indeed speaking from large experience and personal observation i have always regarded the army as a great school of training and discipline where the man who in civil life lacking the restraints and helps which belong to army discipline would through sheer weakness of character rapidly degenerate into a worthless fellow receives the very aid that he needs to give him some moral backbone and is thus made into a very decent man and when he leaves the service becomes a respectable citizen whereas if a man be radically bad bad through and through he soon finds his measure taken in the army it is a bad refuge for him and ten to one he is soon drummed out with ignominy as unworthy to wear the queen's uniform the time for regarding the ranks of the british army as filled with the scum and off-scouring of society has gone by and the scorn with which some people affect to regard our soldiers can only arise from ignorance or groundless prejudice from close contact with the british soldier and a personal experience extending over many years i can honestly say that some of the grandest qualities which go to make a noble character in man i have seen over and over again exemplified in him who so unshaken in discipline so patient in suffering so ready for any sacrifice or service in the cause of queen and country many of the lads die in the alien land and are laid in some far distant grave where no mother can come and weep at her boy's quiet resting-place 
have they not nobly earned the kindly interest and sympathy of the people at home for whom they thus toil and march and fight in every part of the world in the name of all that is just putting aside the question of kindliness and charity let us hear no more of scorn for our soldiers it is an injustice and a folly in the army there are now four recognized religious denominations the church of england the presbyterian the wesleyan and the roman catholic when a man enlists he is questioned as to his religion as it is called and he is compelled to make choice of one of these four parties which choice is then recorded with other items against his name and number he can of course afterwards change his religion as the men term it by explaining his reasons to the officer commanding his regiment the sunday parade service at which attendance is compulsory unless a man be on guard or otherwise fulfilling some duty is never by any chance omitted if it be at all possible to hold it usually it takes place in the morning often soon after dawn though sometimes i have known it in orders for the afternoon on the previous day arrangements as to time and locality are made at the office of the adjutant-general and all such particulars inserted in the general orders for the day and are therefore known throughout the force however large or widely scattered sometimes indeed it happens that owing to the wide disposition of a large force portions of which may be miles apart several parade services are held at various points the chaplain going from one to another in succession until he has reached all the men of his persuasion thus on sunday morning the church of england party would be seen marching away to some central spot in the camp headed most probably by one of the regimental bands there by the side of the simple lectern consisting of the big drum perhaps the chaplain would await their coming and around him in hollow square formation the men would presently be drawn up facing inwards on three sides himself and any of the staff who attended the service forming the fourth and there under the broad canopy of heaven the true sacrifice of worship has risen from many a sincere honest heart hidden under the scarlet tunic or the blue jacket a parade service was no opportunity for a long sermon straight truth put into plain words able to be understanded of the common people and kept within the limits of fifteen minutes or thereabouts was what well suited the soldier he does not object to hard-hitting but you must be quick about it and it will not be the less effective happy the chaplain who is able to let his men have the chance of a good sing they dearly love it i had specially printed and prepared a large number of very thin pamphlet-like hymn-books containing a score or so of well-known hymns and sufficiently portable to be carried around and distributed at each service in a few moments i never heard anything grander i think than the vast volume of musical song that used to rise and swell from hearts sincere at our sunday morning parade service and surely the ministry of song may be credited with some strange subtle power to touch the deep down chords in men's hearts and help them up to better things when stern denunciation of sin and the most pleading voice of a man may fail 
thus also the presbyterian party would be marching towards another quarter of the camp the pipers of some scotch regiment swinging along at the head and discoursing their weird music so dear to the heart of the scotsman and yonder the wesleyan party too would be gathering in its appointed place including most likely all the nonconformists of the force and then in some secluded spot the roman catholic chaplain would arrange his simple altar and around him would be gathered the devout worshippers who held his creed parade service usually lasted about three-quarters of an hour no wisdom was shown by the chaplain who prolonged it beyond that limit most of the chaplains held a voluntary service in the evening which the men might attend or not as they chose a good number of men used to come and generally a very hearty and earnest service was the result while we lay here at jellalabad it was my custom in accordance with the wish of some of the men to hold a short religious meeting somewhat after the fashion of a bible reading almost every evening this was held not in the open air for it was then very cold at night but in a large tent attached to one of the regimental hospitals i was very much amused at the zeal of one of the apothecaries who good-hearted fellow that he was used to boil up a great degchi of tea to serve as a kind of loving-cup for the men ere they dispersed this little meeting rapidly became very popular in the camp let us not for a moment hint that bribery and corruption in the form of the tea degchi was the influence which stimulated the men and brought them together but so it was that at the appointed hour a goodly number might be seen in undress quietly wending their way towards the apothecary's tent every man of them armed with his tin canteen for drinking purposes at first the men sat about on the ground or on boxes taking up a good deal of room but as our numbers multiplied it was needful to economize space and the following ingenious method of seating was adopted tent pegs were driven into the ground at intervals two pegs being crossed so as to form a forked rest and on these were placed long ten-foot dooley poles the poles on which the dooleys or stretchers for carrying the sick were slung these were fixed row after row and although the result was not quite like a well-cushioned armchair the accommodation was marvellously enlarged till the tent interior was a living mass of men how our numbers increased and the ambition of our men too resulting in a kind of church-building of their own i shall have occasion to narrate later on but there were other methods of spending the evening pleasantly for all sorts of contrivances were set to work to make the weary hours pass one of the other chaplains used to read every night to the men whatever of interest he could lay hold of they gathering around him smoking their pipes and listening with a good deal of appreciation but the great evening's entertainment was the sing-song as the men dubbed it a big space amphitheatrical in shape was roughly dug out and so arranged that many hundreds of men could find some sort of sitting accommodation while in the centre was a flat space called by courtesy the platform somebody was master of ceremonies though little ceremony was observed beyond that of calling out the name of the singer or reciter as he appeared first uprose a stalwart young officer hamilton of the guide's cavalry who gave a song in good style a gallant fellow he but a few weeks more and he was to lead his men in charge against the fierce kujianis at 
Fudahabad, his chief slain by his side and he sweeping through the masses of the foe to save the life of a native officer and win his victoria cross and then a few more months were to pass and with Kavagnari, kelly and jenkins he was to meet a soldier's death after many a deed of daring do in the gateway of the embassy at kabul all this however was in the future and was now mercifully hidden from knowledge then young gunner burke of the artillery sang a comical ditty telling of a tempestuous voyage in a barge from deptford to london bridge which provoked broad grins especially from the cockneys after him a post-office official who had to accompany the force and who hailed unmistakably from the emerald isle sang of the little cruise keen lawn and of Sean van vacht and other equally republican songs he was succeeded by sergeant moon of the tenth hussars who gave a very clever topical song of his own composing dealing with the circumstances in which we now found ourselves and with poor sphere ali and the oxus river boundary and russian sympathy and so on a very good song it was and well put together testifying both to moon's literary and musical skill and the men responded to every point political or otherwise with huge guffaws and cheers but now last of all modest young corporal of the same gallant regiment stood up to add his part to the evening's entertainment he was but a boy smooth-faced and not too robust-looking and indeed i remembered to have talked with him in hospital not so long before but as his sweet clear baritone voice gentle toned at first rang out over the plain i noticed a hush gradually falling upon the assembly the loud laughter is stilled and the men are sitting smoking and silently gazing at the singer who can just be discerned by the flickering light of the single lantern and why the hush ah the great quietness has fallen upon the spirits of those rollicking men because the words of the song have wafted their thoughts away from the wild afghan land to the old home in england it was only a simple old english ditty called i think the vacant chair footnote this song was written in worcester massachusetts in the time of the civil war the editor End of footnote. but as the words of the chorus came around we shall meet but we shall miss him there will be one vacant chair there were only a few who could join quietly in it and those with a certain tremor in their voice they knew well enough that there would be a vacant chair in many a cottage home in england ere this campaign closed the place where the soldier's son used to sit but which would know him no more and then with a verse of the national anthem joined in with loyal enthusiasm the sing-song used to close End of section forty six this Recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Jim Locke.